Welcome to April Fools, where I look at both April Fools movies and two other fool movies or prank movies even. Since it's April Fools Day's 30th anniversary this year, I thought I'd do this and it's remake, which I haven't saw yet, even though I've owned it for a while now. Also, I've decided to do two other prank movies, Slaughter High and Return to Horror High. So this will be a fun month, right? Anyway, on for the show, starring Thomas F. Wilson, Amy Steele, Kent Orland, Deborah Foreman and Jay Baker, directed by Fred Walton. Quick plot, a group of friends spend the weekend in a mansion on a remote island and all fall victim to an unseen killer, oh, and it's April Fool's weekend. The movie opens with some shaky 80s camcorder footage and you meet Nikki, played by Deborah Goldrich. And she talks to Emma about going to her friend's house on the remote island and it being spring break. A quick shot of Kit, played by Friday the 13th, Amy Steele. Then it's on to Arch, played by Back to the Future's Thomas F. Wilson. And Skip, played by Griffin O'Neill, who runs with Nikki's earlier confession that she fucks on a first date. And this is the start of the whole fake gay subplot sort of thing. Meanwhile, in the basement of the house, Muffy, played by Deborah Foreman, is tidying the place while having flashbacks to her 10th birthday party. And her birthday just happens to be April 1st. When she's opening her Jack in a Buck present, while her parents and their friends are getting drunk on cocktails, as you do in the 80s, and you're at your kid's birthday party, so I have a few cocktails or two. So the Jack in a Box pops up and it looks something like a chest buster and it scares her, scarring her for life. Back on the dock, a car pulls up and out walks Nan Youngblood. That's a great name there. Played by Leah Pinstead, asking if it's a fairy to the John's St. John house. So she meets the group, including our cameraman from the start of the movie, Chaz, played by Clayton Roner. So Kit argues with the crazy Ralph of this movie. The Ferryman, played by Lloyd Berry, about waiting for the final guests. Rob, played by Kent Orland, who arrives just in time with Harvey, played by Jay Baker. After some setup scenes where we find no one really knows anyone else, and on a running joke about flies being opened, the ferry sets off. Seriously, this joke goes on for about 10 minutes and it is painfully unfunny. Yet more setup as the group pairs off. Kit with Rob, Nan with Chaz, Harvey with Nikki, while Archie and Skip play some sort of game with a flick knife and throwing it out of the reach of the other person or some bullshit like that that's not actually well defined. Until Archie finally has enough of losing and throws it into Skip's stomach as he falls into the water overboard. But it's all one April Fool's joke and it's a lame one and expect these lame jokes to go on throughout the whole movie folks. With the group now pissed at them and Rob soaked from jumping into the water to save Skip, along with Buck the ship's hand, played by Mike Nomad, who gets run over by the ferry for being a complete fucking idiot. Trying to tie up the boat from the water, inside the water, instead of getting back on the boat and tying it off, with some great 80s makeup effects as Buck loses an eye. 
So both him and the ferryman are off to mainland in a handy speedboat held over by the local cop. Hmm, I wonder if they're trying to set these two up as the killer. Hmm. On the island, Muffy asks Constable Potter, played by Tom Heaton, what happened on the boat and he tells her about the pranks and asks to take her boat, the only boat on the island. So he tells the rest to stay put. Well, no shit Sherlock, there's aren't going to go anywhere, there's only one boat, you stupid dick. Honestly. So the group get shown around the lower floors of the house and find a dining room all set up for a party. In the kitchen, Muffy, Kit and Nicky, well Muffy and Kit as Nicky is sitting on her arse doing a Cosmo quiz while the other two are cooking, uh, lunch or dinner or what the hell it is they're cooking. And how sexist is this? The ladies are cooking and gabbing while the guys are outside messing around, drinking and what the hell they're doing. Meanwhile, outside, Archie and Chaz are messing around with the camcorder, with Archie doing a bit to camera about lifestyles of the rich and undeserving. Oh, and didn't I say that all stinking rich and snotty little brats, apart from Rob, who is, quote, from the wrong side of the tracks. I guess that's why Kit likes him. Hmm. In the house, Harvey is snooping around the office, helping herself to free stuff, such as cigars and other pieces of documents and stuff. That night, Skip feels sorry for himself while try drinking, as Nan tries to make him feel better about what he did to the I mean, Was this movie written this year, or has rich people always been dicks? Hmm. So the group leaves the moody dick outside, as they all sit down to dinner of beans and hot dogs. Yeah, and Muffy's supposed to be stinking rich. Mm-hmm. When, surprise, Muffy has set up stupid little pranks on the table, such as a whoopee cushion and Archie's chair falling backwards as he leans on it. Hilarious, right? Uh, no. At the dinner party, instead of talking about what they did to the deckhand and bombing each other out, I got a love 80 slang here, they talk about the future and I kid you not what actually says, quote, privileged, independent, the hope for the future, yet none of us knows to do with our lives, which pretty much sums up the wah generation, aka the millennials. Muffy sets champagne out as Nan makes a toast about friends and college friends lasting longest in their lives, utter bullshit like that, and surprise and yet another lame ass joke, the glasses tip the booze all over them, because that's funny right? So Muffy shows her guests to the rooms with Nikki getting the quote bridal room and Harvey getting the quote boat room, smoking a cigar he stole earlier, Archie and Chaz sharing the plaid room, again making a gay joke. Oh and didn't I say? Archie's thing was being a fake gay, first sitting on Skip on the ferry, then the lifestyles bit to the camera and I'm hitting on Chaz because gay jokes are funny right? Fucking 80s. In his room, mid-speech to himself, Harvey finds paper articles taped to the closet door and inside his sock drawer about six people dying in a car crash. Oh, and another joke, the cigar blows up in his face. Tee hee hee. Back in their rooms, Nikki finds her taps, her water taps, spray water on her instead of going downwards and Nikki and Archie finds heroin stuff in the bathroom because drug abuse is funny, isn't it? Uh. 
Back in Nikki's, she finds S&M stuff in the drawer as Archie gets locked in his room with the old pull-away doorknob gag. Lame! In Rob and Kit's room, they find a quote-unquote haunted painting, which turns out to be a Felix the Cat clock behind it. While in her bedroom, Nan finds a tape of a crying baby, because that's scary, right? Back in their bedroom, Rob and Kit smooth things over after their little tiff about Rob not getting into medical school because he doesn't have the quote-unquote right stuff. A.K.A. he's skint. So he turns off the light, only for another light to come on across the room, and so on and so forth, until he finally screws off the bulb. Because that's funny, right? Uh, which leaves Archie roaming around trying to find someone to have sex with. However, Muffy turns him down, and he walks in on Chaz and Nan having the most uncomfortable sex ever to be shot for a teen comedy slash horror. So he goes off to his room for some up-collar good times. <clears throat> Outside, a now drunk Skip wanders into the boathouse and gets grabbed from behind by unseen hands. The next morning, Muffy is in the kitchen making breakfast, talking to herself as Rob and Kit walk in making her run off into Archie's arms and up the stairs to get fully dressed. Outside, the boys play football, that's soccer for my American listeners, well they tried to anyway, as Nan sees Muffy with a bucket full of blood, disappearing into the guest house. So Rob and Kit go swimming and argue again about his future as Kit leads him into the boathouse to have makeup sex as Skip's dead body floats past in a boat, so they run to the house as the others are having beers and cocktails and they quiz them about Skip. However, they all just say it's one practical joke, another late April Fool's joke. However, Kit insists the body looked dead. So, off go Archie, Chaz and Rob to look for Skip's body down by the docks, where they find Skip's flick knife now broken in two. So, of course, they blame the ship's hand and spot up to look for him. Back at the house, Nan corners Muffy in the kitchen and asks why she puts the crying baby tape in her room because I guess miscarriage is funny, right? In the woods, Archie hears noises come from the bushes and somehow misses a giant rattlesnake as he gets hoisted in the air by a snare trap and we see two feet, then it cuts to black. In the garden, Nan looks all sad and alone as she reflects on things that happened earlier in her life. At the house, Nikki and Kat Kit quiz Rob and Chaz if they've seen Skip. They also find out that Archie is missing. So Rob calls the constable as Muffy comes out with a bunch of flowers looking slightly demented. And oh no, the line is dead. So Kit wanders off and pops into Muffy who, as my mother would say, is away with the fairies as she has every single tea bag in the house, so the two of them try to make tea. Okay then. Well, they would have if the water worked, but nothing nothing to worry about, Muffy says. This happens from time to time, and it's always they can always get water from the well down the path. So off go Nikki and Harvey to fetch water from the well. Harvey loses the bucket and Nikki drops her flashlight down so she goes down to find it. However, all she finds are Skip and Archie's heads. Also, Nan's dead body. Freaking out, Harvey goes down to help her out 
and it's back to the house. Well, inside the house, well, what's left of the group tried to comfort Nikki, and Harv asked Muffy if she has any guns in the house, which of course she doesn't. The phone rings, but wait a minute here, didn't they say the line wasn't working? Hmm. And Rob tells the constable about Skip, Archie and Nan's body. They also think it's Buck. However, he says it's not him. He's been in hospital with him all day. So who could it be? The unstable Muffy, the gold digging Harv, or the ferryman? Hmm. Let's find out, folks. The group lock all the doors and windows, waiting for the police to show up. And in the office, Kit finds a picture of two little girls as the unstable Muffy walks in telling her it may take all night for the cops to shop if they can make it at all due to the tides. Upstairs, Harv gets his gun from his suitcase because of course she would take a gun to an all-weekend party. As downstairs, the group talks about Muffy's weird, erratic behaviour. Also, Harv overheard her and Nan arguing about Nan's abortion. It is here we find out the, groups, the group were picked to die due to their dirty little secrets such as Harv's car accidents and Nan's abortion. So the group split up, all going to their rooms as Rob goes up to the attic and Harv stays to watch the dogs sitting on the stairs. In her bedroom, Nikki freaks out at Chaz as she packs her things saying she would rather swim to the mainland and not spend another day or second in this house. After being told to chill by Chaz while wearing a gimp mask, I shit you not folks, Nikki runs off leaving Chaz all alone until she comes back and finds him with his dick cut off as the killer comes behind the door and she's offed. In the attic, Rob and Kat look around while Rob tells her what the constable said to him on the phone about not trusting Muffy. Gee, I wonder why. In the corner of the attic, they find the dogs from the dining room all displayed by the way they were killed with Nan, Skip and Arch in a water and Chaz and Nikki's bodies in a bloodied bed. Just then, they see a fire, even though not minutes earlier, Rob looked out saying there was nothing on the lake and he saw nothing coming. So Kit gets Nikki, finding her room locked, goes to Chaz's room, finding it dark empty as the door closes slowly behind her. And of course the doorknob comes away in her hands, so she runs into the bathroom, which somehow leads into the hallway as she bumps into Rob, who tells her he can't find Harv anywhere. So they try Nikki's room again and find it to be covered in blood. So Kit runs into Muffy's room, finding the door blocked by Harv's hanging dead body. So the final two go down to the docks, where they find Constable Porter's speedboat, but not him. And this is where, if it was me, I would take the boat and run for it. However, on the boat, they find a letter saying a Miss St. John has been in a mental institution for the past several years and has now escaped. So instead of, oh, I don't know, hot wiring the boat or using, I don't know, paddles or oars, they go back into the house to find the spare keys. Finding all the doors closed, they sneak into the open basement. Hello, it's a trap. And find a trail of blood leading to a furnace where they find Muffy's party clothes and they also find height markings on a wall but of twins not a single girl. A 
Why hide markings in the basement and not in their bedrooms? B. How thick is Kit if she found the picture of the twin girls earlier, yet she's still surprised by this revelation? And C. Twins. Really? Twins? Really? Also, while I'm at it, Muffy and Buffy. Come on, lame! But, oh no, it's the haunted painting from earlier, with eyes watching them, and it turns out to be a really bad fake head of Muffy as Buffy nails the windows, trapping them down in the basement. So, they get into the kitchen somehow, and hunt for the keys as Buffy is outside trying to get the back door opened with a knife. Why not just smash the window and unlock the door from the outside? It's beyond me. She fiddles around with, it with her gigantic butcher's knife. It's the final showdown between Buffy and Kit. As Kit screams at her to leave her alone, what Amy Steele can take down Jason Voorhees, but she can't deal with a bug nuts crazy Buffy. Yeah. And surprise! It's all one big joke. As Kit opens the door to the sitting room, finding all her friends alive and well, as Muffy slash Buffy shows us a fake knife and the group all point and laugh at her. Meanwhile, in the kitchen, still locked in a cupboard, Rob is screaming like a banshee as Buck comes out of the darkness, kisses him, but not before Rob smashes his hand on the wall. In the sitting room, the gang shout April Fools straight at the camera, and... I almost discus throw this fucking DVD out the window. God, this movie is fucking lame. So poor Rob shits himself in a cupboard, Barty's in in a sitting room, and the whole room points and laugh at him. With Muffy slash Buffy telling them all thanks for being great sports. See, if I was there, I would have decked this bitch. How fucking very dare she do this to me. Making me a laughing stock. So... Muffy tells the group her bullshit reason for all this, and it is, wait for it, wait for it, no, not that, but it's to keep her huge ass house as a B&B, which specialises in murder mystery weekends, just to prove to her daddy she can. Fuck you, movie, fuck you, you are a lame ass piece of absolute shit. <clears throat> anyway, moving on. So the group parted the night away, soaking Muffy in cheap wine. So later that night, a now drunken Muffy makes her way into her bedroom, finding the noose from earlier and a wrapped present sitting on her bed, which turns out to be a jack-in-a-box, when out of the shadows comes Nan with a knife and slits her neck. But not to worry folks, it's only a joke, as Nan shouts April Fools as the jack-in-a-box winks to the camera and credits roll. So that was April Fool's Day, a supposed cult classic that could have been a great satire on the horrors of the decade. However, this turned out to be a lame, piece of shit, boring ass movie where hardly anything happens and all the quote unquote kills are fake. And that ending is the biggest buzz kill ever. 3 out of 10. It also stopped another movie from coming out with the same name at the same time, which was renamed Slaughter High, which I'll be covering in a few weeks' time, even though it started shooting first by a good couple of weeks. 
Anyway, come back next week as I look at 2008's remake. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod. Follow me on Instagram at Here's Johnny79. And email me suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. And follow me on SoundCloud. Bye. And happy April Fool's, folks. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.